Hey, thanks for downloading this week's podcast from Relevant Church. We are so thrilled and excited to see what God has planned for your life through this message. We know you're going to enjoy it. Sit back, relax. God bless. What's going on, everybody? How you doing today? How you doing today? Awesome, awesome. I always tell the church, you know, any day above six feet of ground is a good day. And, uh, and so I'm really excited to be here with you. Uh, you guys are my second home. I feel like I'm right at home being here uh, with, with Relevant Church. Uh, I love Pastor Jonathan and uh, Pauline. They're really good friends. Um, it's just so, it's so crazy that uh, it happens to be that both my wife and his wife were born in Alberta, in Canada. And uh, not only that, but they also grew up together in Oshawa, Ontario. And this all happened before we met one another. And so it's just really ironic and really crazy uh, the way that God does stuff. But anyways, uh, as I said, I'm really excited to be here. Uh, as uh, Pastor Jonathan said, most recently wrote a book. I actually had the opportunity for two and a half years uh, to unexpectedly take care of my two little guys, uh, Gabriel and Noah. And so, you know... It was a crazy experience, but God used that time when I thought I was going to be teaching them a whole bunch of stuff. You know, God used that opportunity uh, to teach me through them. And so, you know, kind of halfway into that experience, the Lord encouraged me to write a book, not about parenting, uh, but basically a book that is that teaches biblical principles based on my parental experience. And so I'm a young father. There aren't too many books about fatherhood. Uh, uh, and, and so I think that it will be a blessing to your life. So this is, I've, uh, this is actually the second stop on what's, what we're calling the 10 Big Things Tour. Because the book is called 10 Big Things Little Kids Taught Me. And so I went to Toronto, Canada. And now I get to be here with you. So I'm really excited about it. Anyways, uh, really quickly, we're going to go into the word of the Lord. Uh, Pastor Jonathan told me that I have a few minutes here. And so I was planning to preach for like three hours, um, but that plan flopped and failed. So we're going to see as how much we can, uh, how much of God's word we can get to you here in the few minutes that we have. Uh, can you turn with me really quickly to Matthew chapter 14? Matthew chapter 14, and we're going to verse 22 through 23, through 33. And if you can, when you get there, can you say, I got it? I heard one. <laughs> cool. Even if you can't sing, you could just say, I got it. Cool, 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 cool. Awesome. I just realized all the time I'm telling you to get it. I don't have it. All right. Matthew 14, verse 22 to 33. All right. Matthew 14, 22. Okay, cool. Immediately after he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was long away from the land, beaten with the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, somebody say the fourth watch yeah, of the night, he came to them, speaking of Jesus, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. 
But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. Everybody shout, Come. Come. Thank you. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Bow your heads with me as we pray. God, I'm so thankful for this moment, so thankful for this preaching opportunity. God, I pray that you would just bless this time, that you'd use my lips, Lord, so much so that lives would be impacted and that they would leave here ready to go on your great go mission and to see you uh, in their everyday lives. Thank you, and I praise you in Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen. amen. Well, one of the chapters in my book is called Knowing Nana. Yeah, knowing Nana. And so I wanted to speak to you from that subject title. Don't look at me crazy. You'll get it in a second. I promise. You'll get it in a second. If you can, if you will, if you just look at your neighbor and help me to preach and just tell them, say, neighbor, neighbor. oh, neighbor, oh, neighbor. You've, got to know you've got to know Nana. Nana. Look at somebody else. Give them a high five. Say, neighbor. neighbor. It will make sense in a second. <laughs> cool. Knowing Nana, knowing Nana. Well, realize, uh, you know, my children, their recognition of food is absolutely out of this world. I mean, I don't know if you guys have any, have children, but if you have children, uh, you know that they are, when it comes to food, from when they first come out of the womb, they are serious about their food. Amen. Uh, Now, my kids, I mean, they are so serious about food that, I mean, I could have a mint in my pocket and... You know, the ever so slight crumpling of a wrapper of the mint in my pocket. And they can hear it from all the way across the room. And they'll be in front of me in 10 seconds like, Daddy, give me some candy, you know. (laughs) And I'm like, how in the world did you hear that? I barely even heard that, you know. But they're really, really serious about, about their food. Uh, and so when, you know, when I first started taking care of them, uh, because I don't really know how to cook and I didn't want to, like, poison them, uh, I started to make oatmeal and bananas. Those were, that was kind of the main staple that we had for a long time. I would just pop some oatmeal in the microwave, uh, you know, really quickly take it out, give them their oatmeal, and I would give them a banana in addition to that. And so that was something that, you know, that we did pretty often for the first few years of their life. And so, you know, uh, at first I would give my son Gabriel, when it was just myself and him, I would give him the banana whole, um, but in an attempt, and also in an attempt to, to, uh, to sharpen his vocab, I would ask him, I'd be like, what is this? What is this? And he would say, Nana! Ah, you're getting it, aren't you? Aren't you? And so he would say Nana, and I would, you know, I would be very excited about it. And of course, you know, um, you know fathers, we think that, Kids are saying Dada for everything. They're always saying our name. But so we went to the grocery store. We'd go to the grocery store, and, I mean, we could be across the, you know, from the food section. And as long as he would see that Nana down the, you know, down the aisle or whatever, he would yell at the top of his lungs, Nana! You know? 
And it would just be really exciting to see how uh, his vocab and how his language was being developed. Uh, now, when he got older, I tried something different. I decided, I was like, you know what, you know, let's see what happens. And so I got the banana, you know, prepared the oatmeal, got the banana as I regularly would. And this time, instead of giving him the banana whole, I decided to chop the banana up. And so I chopped the banana up. I decided to give it to him in a different form. And I put it in front of him. And I said, Gabe, what is this? And he's like, Nana, to my surprise. Now, the fact is that because of his experience with the banana as a whole, even though I gave it to him in a different form, he still was able to recognize that it was a banana. Are you with me this morning? What in the world, Pastor Drew, does this have to do with me? Why are you talking to me about bananas? I'm not hungry for a banana. Oh, yeah, some of you are. Okay. Oh, yes, miss, of course. Yeah. Well, realize the fact is that many Christians, the fact is that we only recognize Jesus in forms that we are accustomed to. Are you with me this morning? The only time that we recognize Christ, the only time we recognize Jesus is when he comes to us in a form that we are accustomed to. When he comes to us in a way that we are accustomed to. And the fact is, what I'm scared of is that many of us as Christians, we miss the move of God because we're unable to recognize him in a different form. Are you with me this morning? Trust me, we're on our way. And so the fact is that because God is God, he has the capability to reveal himself to us in any sort of a form. But many of us as Christians, we miss the move. And many of us as individuals, we miss the move of God. We miss God because he comes to us in a different form. Let's look really quickly at this text and I'm going to be out of your way momentarily. You can go home and eat your burger and fries or a banana. Yeah. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Can you go there with me again, if you will? Says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was long away from the land, beaten by the waves. For the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Now realize the disciples, they were accustomed to seeing Jesus walking on the land. They were accustomed to seeing Jesus heal the sick on the land. Come on, somebody. Raise the dead while he was walking on the land. But when he came to them walking on the water, he came to them in a different form. He came to them in a different method. He came to them in a different way. And as a result, watch this, it says that they thought he was a ghost and they cried out in fear. Many of us today, when Jesus comes to us, because we're so accustomed to seeing him work one way, because he comes to us in an unconventional manner, We often will reject his appearance thinking that he's a ghost. And many of us, we walk in fear because we're unable and we're unwilling to accept Jesus in the form in which he comes to us. Are you with me this morning? You don't have to raise your hand, but I know I'm not the only person that's ever been in that position. 
And so we as Christians, many times we walk in fear because we're unable to recognize or accept Jesus when he comes to us in a form that we are unaccustomed to. We have to be to a place where we are so in tune with Christ, like Gabriel was in tune with his banana, that even if Jesus comes to us in a different form, the fact is that we are able to recognize him and we don't reject him and miss what he has for us because we are unable to recognize him. Sometimes Jesus comes to us through prosperity. Let me break it down. To show himself to us as a provider. Sometimes Jesus will come to us, and I know this isn't popular preaching, but sometimes Jesus will come to us through sickness to show us that he's a healer. Sometimes he'll come to us through suffering to show us that he is a sustainer. Are you with me, my brothers and sisters? But the fact is that many of us, especially in this, in this, I know we're near Hollywood, uh, but figuratively, this Hollywood mentality of a church uh, and of a culture that we live in, we teach that God only wants you to be blessed. And the only time that God is with you is when you have stuff. Come on, somebody. But the fact is that Jesus is a God that is still God, no matter what I have or I don't have. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, 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 and see, so, so Paul, I love Paul. Uh, we're going to go here really quickly. Keep your finger in Matthew chapter 14. Turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to see how much we can get through today. But let's go at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want to look at verse 7 through 9. This kind of messes with a lot of bad theology, which is actually a great thing. Because we've got to balance this out. God is a God. And I want to deal with this because we're accustomed to knowing Jesus as a provider. We're accustomed to seeing him in times of prosperity. But especially in this day and age, it is, it is, it is, more, it is not as prevalent for people to know God through suffering. Are you with me this morning? For 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 9, Paul has an experience here. It says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of revelations, a thorn was given to me in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me. He says, a thorn was given to me in my flesh. It was given to me in my flesh. Mercy. It didn't happen because it didn't happen because of, you know, some crazy reason. It wasn't the devil or anything. A thorn was given to him in his flesh. And it was a messenger of Satan to harass him, to keep him from becoming conceited. I would deal, I would deal with that on another, in another time. But three things, three times I pleaded in verse 8, he said with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Here is a time where Paul, this is Paul, this is, I mean, this is the dude that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. This guy is healing a whole bunch of people. People want their thorn out. He'll go up to them in Jesus' name, thorn, get out. And they're getting healed. Or situations that they need resolved. This is the Apostle Paul, one of the generals and the stars of the Bible. But he is given a thorn in his flesh, which he pleads with God three times to take away. And guess what? He even lets us know this. He says, after these three times, God does not take it away. Instead, God answers him and says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power, my strength is made perfect in weakness. In other words, even though you think that the only way
can I, you see me is in deliverance sometimes God shows himself strong in our lives as a sustainer in our lives where his grace is made sufficient his grace is evident when we are unable to handle ourselves I wonder if I have one or two people in this place that can identify with me you're in some things right now and you thought that you've been abandoned because of the hardship that you're experiencing and some of you I see you in your bedroom on your knees God please take this person away from me God please take this situation away from me God please fix my situation and God is saying listen even though I haven't taken it away from you realize I'm not trying to reveal myself as a deliverer in this moment I'm trying to show the world that it's possible for you to go through stuff and for God to be able to keep you it's possible for you to be in a home where your kids are acting the fool come on somebody and you feel like throwing in the towel but God is able to give you the strength to be able to show the love of Christ even in the middle of that situation it's possible for all you have to, to be able to afford is to be able to get some ramen noodles come on somebody is there a witness in this place and mix it with some baked beans or a can of black beans or something uh, and, 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 and it's possible for you to be able to even receive this with gladness and say this is God that is in the midst I'm still giving him praise I'm still giving him glory I'm still lifting him up I'm still on Christ's commission because my glory to God is not based on what it is that I have or don't have you have to be able to recognize God even in the midst of hardship are you with me? And realize, realize, you know, we, we, we are in the midst of a place where people, where, where people teach that the only time God is present is in the times of good times. Realize, and this is this, can I just tell you this, that as a result of this, this is why we are in, we are, this theology is, uh, is responsible for the hurt and the demise of many people who are Christian and name the name of Christ. For the hurt, and then it also stops, it becomes a hindrance. It's a hindrance to many who wish, who wish that they would come to God, but because of our theology, which just presents Christ as the risen king, but doesn't also teach that you have that sometimes we you can't get to the glory of the cross without the suffering of the cross. And so we stop people oftentimes from coming to Christ because we teach this, and this is why people say stuff like, Oh, well. I'm not coming to God because, you know, look, that person got put out of their house and they're a Christian. I'm not coming to God because, look, that person battles depression or, and, and, or, or I'm not coming to God because, look, you know, he let that, that person's grandmother die and they were a Christian. And so that couldn't be a loving God. That couldn't be a good God. But when Christians get to the place where we balance out our theology and we begin to teach that God is not just evident in good times. Come on, somebody. But we still serve a good God even in the middle of the bad times in our life. That way we're able to present a theology to people that shows them that our service to God and our experience with God and our relationship with God is not just base. He's still good. Not even if we don't have anything and even if we're in the middle of hard times are you with me this morning realize realize my brothers and sisters realize my brothers and sisters i want to i want to show you this talking about uh the will of god and then we're going to move look if you will at uh at, at james chapter 4 uh, james chapter 4 verse 13 through 16 and i'm not trying to poop anybody's party or anything like that you know i just want to tell you the truth 
Because then we're able to better see God when he comes to us walking on the water. James chapter 4, verse 13 through 16. Now I want to even say this, that realize the storm reveals your foundation. The storm reveals your foundation. When the storm comes, it's when you really, when you really will see where somebody is truly founded. When somebody is upon Christ, the winds and the rains and things may blow and hit up against them. But at the end of the day, guess what? They will not be moved. But there are many people who are the ones that are jumping the highest and who, are, who, are, who know how to say, talk all the great Christian lingo. You know those people? You say hi to them and they're like, praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, you look so nice today. Hallelujah. You know? And they're so church. Maybe y'all don't know anybody like that, but they're so over spiritual. Like they, they, they just, they just, they're spiritually burnt. They're just, they're just over spiritual, overcooked. And then as soon as hard times come up against them, you don't see them anymore. Be like, where's sister so-and-so? I thought, you know, I wanted to see, I mean, you know, what happened to the hallelujahs and what happened to the prayers of the Lord's? What happened to all of those? As soon as the hard time comes, then they, but the storm reveals your foundation because a true Christian that is really founded on Christ, even though the hard times come, they will still, you're still finding them giving, the, giving God the glory. But look, realize, although our faith has mounting moving capabilities, the fact is it does not nullify or supersede God's sovereignty. Look, these are scriptures that people don't look at. This is, these are scriptures that people don't, that don't, they don't talk about. James chapter 4, verse 13 through 16. Are you there with me? Yes. Says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, are you with me? If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So he says, all y'all who say, you know what? Tomorrow I'm going to do this. Today, I'm going to do this. Next year, I'm going to move here. Next year, I'm going to do this. This is going to happen in my life, especially we live in a, in a society where they're teaching you stuff about, you know, naming it and claiming it. And, you know, you can have what you say and all of these sorts of things that we see the pulpit pimps on the pulpit pimp network teaching. Maybe you didn't see that on your TV. It might be named something else, but you get the point. You know, and so we see them talking about this and presenting this microwave type of a mentality as it pertains to the gospel. And we boast in arrogance and ignorance about the things that we say God is going to do. But in actuality, the scripture says we should not do this. He says, even in our declaration, yes, it's okay to have a plan. Yes, it's okay to have a vision. Yes, it's okay to have a goal. But at the end of the day, it is if the Lord wills. And so then when you have this mentality, you understand, you understand that God is still God, even if he says no, because many times it's just not his will. It's not that he's a bad God. He's still a good God. He just said no. Thank you, amen corner. 
First John chapter 5, and then I'm going to have to quit it in a second. But First John chapter 5, verse 14 uh, and 15. Another passage, another verse that people don't talk about or see in scripture. Or they see it and they're like, oh, that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> no, yes, it does apply to you. And it will save you some heartache if you grab it and walk in it. Can I preach today? First John chapter 5. Look at verse 14 and 15. Help me, Jesus. Says, and this is the confidence. This is the confidence that we have towards him. That if we ask anything according to his will, will he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have, where is it, that we have the request that we have of him. Did you see that? He says, if we ask anything according to what I want, if we ask anything according to what Pastor Jonathan wants, if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that we hears of, he hears us, then we know that we have the petitions that we have. Can I let you in on a little secret? If I can let you know, say, tell me, Pastor Drew. This is the secret. Come on in. Listen, realize. A lot of people, they are not looking for God's direction. They're looking and they're praying for God's yes. Am I the only person? Y'all looking at me like that wasn't that deep. No, realize. A lot of us, we trust God. We're not trusting God. We're looking for God's yes. And so when we're praying and we're like, oh man, I'm waiting for God to answer my prayer. God said no like 10 years ago, but you're still waiting because according to you, yes is the only answer that God can give. Am I the only kid that ever thought that that's the only answer that my parent could give to me? Be like, my mom, no, my mom didn't answer me. No, yes, she did answer you. She just gave you the answer you didn't want to hear. You know what? I'm I'm getting excited. I can't jump off here because I'll hurt myself. (laughs) But realize, sometimes God has a better plan than a yes. Look, so so a yes might have jacked you up and you didn't even know it. A yes could have messed up your life even though you thought that it was going to be better for you. But we serve a God that has, since we're in a movie theater, look, look, look. Oftentimes we're watching the movie and guess what happens while we're watching the movie? While we're watching the movie, we're looking and we're seeing, uh, we're seeing the, 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 the character. They're getting ready to be headed for some serious danger. And we're looking and we're like, you know, they're in there and they're like, yeah, it's a good idea that I go this way, Billy. <laughs> and so we're going to go and you know, and, and we're often watching the movie, and as we're watching the movie, we're looking like, don't go over there. And they're like, yeah, you know, I'm going over there. It's going to be awesome, and we're going to have a grand time, and it's going to be fun. And, and they're walking, and they're moseying on down, headed in that direction. And we see if they go over there, their life is going to be ended, or they're going to get jacked up. Because our perspective is greater than the person who is in the video. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oftentimes, if I could just preach just for the last few minutes that I have here, I wonder if there's anyone that realizes that your local perspective is not greater than God's overhead perspective. And sometimes we're in the midst of some stuff and we think that we should, the situation should be different. And we're skipping along our merry way thinking that we got it figured out and thinking that we got it in 
understand what's happening when in actuality God is able to see his thoughts are not our thoughts his ways are not our ways and he has a greater plan many times and he understands that if we go in the in that direction that our life will get jacked up but we're over here pouting like nobody knows the trouble I see and you ask him hey brother how you doing man you know God didn't answer me and we don't realize that sometimes he has a better plan than a yes I think I got like five more minutes <laughs> look 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 I just I just want to show you this I want to show you this uh, I'm going to go here and then and then we're going to close and, and I just want to preach to relevant because look at relevant man look where you guys are at you are in an unconventional place you know you, you guys worship in schools and in movie theaters you know and some of you, and some of you, some people are not even here anymore because Jesus came to them in a movie theater. And they weren't able to recognize his appearance in a movie theater. No, that can't be Jesus. What you talking about with all those people in there eating popcorn and all this stuff? People don't go to the movie theater to go to church when they didn't realize that Jesus, that the church is a people and not a building. I don't care if we're meeting in the bushes in Africa. The fact is that as long as the name of Jesus is being named in the midst, wonder if I have a church in this place. No matter how God comes to us, we got to be ready and willing to accept his appearance. Man, I'm getting excited. I feel like I'm at Greater Works. Daniel chapter 3. And I'm closing on this one for the fifth time. Daniel chapter 3, verse 14. Help me, Jesus. Look at this. This is a very interesting story. And this is where we see this principle apply. Verse 14 says, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, this is Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And some of us say a bad Negro. And he goes on and says, <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, it is true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you have this, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, all of those instruments, you, he says, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image I've made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who would deliver you out of my hands? That was the wrong question to ask some, some, uh, some church folk. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Some of you guys, the best thing to do when your faith is challenged is to shut up. Am I allowed to say that? Well, we're actually in a movie theater. They say worse things on the screen, so. So, but, 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 but he goes on and he says, he says, he says, uh, he goes on and says, uh, we don't have any need to answer you in this matter. But verse 17, if it be so, in other words, even if you do throw me in this fiery furnace, our God whom we serve is able for us uh, to, to uh, able to deliver us from this fiery furnace. And he will, del he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, somebody say, but if not, be it known to you, O king. That we will not serve you your, nor your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Firstly, they say, realize, king, 
that, 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 that realize, even though I don't feel like I got to give you an answer because I'm not, you don't validate me. Some of you need to be delivered from people. Come on, somebody. But he says, if you need to know, number one, my God is able. Somebody say he's able. That's enough of a reason to shout right there. You got a lot of folk bowing themselves to statues and all sorts of stuff. And those things can't do jack for them. But they, number one, recognize the ability, the the ableness. God is able to do it. Then they go on and in faith, watch their faith declaration. He will deliver us out. So there's nothing wrong with walking and moving in faith and and being to a place where you make faith declarations in your life. I believe that I am going to be out of debt by next year. I believe that God is going to heal my body. I believe he will do it. This is the faith declaration that we make, right? But here is the balance. Here is what ought to be at the substratum, the bottom of of the foundation of our fear, of, of our faith. Forgive me. Look at what they say, verse 18. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods. We need to be a people, number one, that honors God because of his ability and makes faith declarations because he is a God that loves to do awesome things for his people. But we also ought to be balanced to be able to say, guess what? Even if God doesn't deliver me out, even if I'm sick for the rest of my life, even if I have to be in a position where I'm still struggling to make it financially, I serve a God that is greater than all those things and in fact he has a greater future for my life come on somebody and as a result of the future that he has for me as a result of what comes beyond this even death is not the end for the Christian and so we are excited about this fact I'm going to close here and I want to say this to you the most unconventional way that Jesus ever came to man was in flesh in John chapter 4 we see in John chapter 4 that God is spirit and so before you know throughout the throughout history man has always worshipped God as spirit but then one day This guy shows up talking about how he was born through a virgin girl named Mary. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The word became flesh and his name is Jesus. And Jesus, you know, he's walking around and the Bible says that people rejected him. When they saw him, like, are you serious? God in flesh? Huh? Not realizing that he was the very thing that scripture had been pointing to and prophets were prophesying about that whole time. And so Jesus, Jesus comes to the world, comes to us. He comes to you in this unconventional manner. God put on flesh when we were, because we are sinners, we are headed for hell. We are, we are bad. We're bad to the bone. And it's not just because of the things that we do, but it's because of who we are inside. We inherited it from our first parents, Adam and Eve. But Jesus came, put on flesh, lived perfectly because he he knew you wouldn't be perfect. He was crucified on a cross for you and me. And he he was buried in a tomb. But bright and early on Sunday morning, somebody ought to be excited about that. He got up from the dead with all power in his hands. And so now if we, if we accept Jesus in the most unconventional way that he's shown himself to mankind, we 
can have life eternal. Isn't that good news? And so today, I don't know if you don't know Jesus, but you have the opportunity today to put trust and faith in Christ for the first time. And if you trust his out-of-the-box, his out-of-the-box appearance to you, you can have life eternal. No matter how far you run away from him, you may have already trusted him and you've run away from him. You have the opportunity to recommit your life to Christ, to come back to him. You might be somebody that says, I need to be baptized. You have that opportunity as well to follow Christ all the way in baptism. And you might, none of those might apply to you. You are somebody who has the opportunity to take this gospel and to take this good news and to take this message of Jesus coming in this loving, unconventional manner, live on this go mission and take this gospel to the world. You got to know Nana. God bless you. For more information, visit Relevant316.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We hope you have a wonderful day and God bless.